Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Morning, church. Morning. You can take your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Mark uh, chapter 10 today. I am uh, excited about uh, jumping into uh, this passage. We'll begin uh, probably long about uh, verse uh, 32. Uh, this morning, but uh, last week we finished a series in the book of Jonah as we walked just chapter by chapter. And, you know, there's a part of last week that uh, just we all kind of got a kick out of. We were thinking about Jonah and the way he was responding and how he was uh, sad. And then all of a sudden, you know, his comfort level changed and uh, he was happy and then the comfort was taken away and he was sad. And it was just kind of this roller coaster of emotion that he was experiencing. And as I was thinking about this week, uh, I was just reminded that in reality, and as I was just thinking about, you know, just the way I was responding to some things personally, and uh, maybe nothing that actually came out of my mouth or even uh, was there, but just in the way that I was responding and thinking of some things, you know, I was just reminded that for all of us, really, there's times that there's kind of like a little, you know, we, we kind of use the illustration with Jonah that he reminded us of like a two or three-year-old in the checkout line at the store pitching a tantrum on the floor, you know, and uh, just that reality that like we used to see that like as parents, we saw that in somebody else's kid. And then before we were parents, we're like, that will never happen to me. And then you're like, oh, wow, that just happened to me, right? And, and we see those kind of things. But, but even as grownups, like I'm reminded that there's a, a part of our flesh that even as grownups, that, that if we were honest, like, and some of y'all are looking like, because y'all are much holier than I am, you're like, no way, never do I feel like that, right? But seriously, like we're like, you know what? I, I can see myself like wanting to just lay in the floor and have a little tantrum sometimes, right? Now, we're, we're not going to do that, right? We're maybe past some of that, but there's other ways that it lashes out and there's other ways that can happen. The more I'm around people, the more I'm around, reminded that this is just a reality in our culture. We live in a really self-absorbed culture. When we, when we look around, everything is about me first. There's that kind of mentality that's all around us. There's that kind of uh, thought that's there and this thought of my way and having it my way and this nature that we have uh, in that. It's not new, right? We see Adam and Eve, they wanted it their way uh, in the garden. We see uh, us respond in these kind of things where we, we really just seek to serve ourselves. But there's something beautiful that happens in the midst of a culture when there's a people that have been changed by Christ. And instead of because here's what the world says. The world says that you are the most important thing in the world right now. And whatever you need, right? Like it, you, it doesn't take you long to be somewhere to see that whatever someone needs in that moment or whatever their uh, situation is, is the most important thing, that their rights and their needs are literally the most important thing in the world. And sometimes we can sit from the side and we can look at that and we're like, man, um, can you believe how immature or how, you know, this is? But the reality is that our culture looks like that. But the Word of God calls the followers of God to live in an in incredible contrast to a world that is all about themselves. And when that happens, there's something beautiful that happens around us. Now, as a staff, we've been walking through the book of Mark, and we've been walking through it with kind of a new look. We said, hey, what if we read verse by verse, and we began to look and see where we see the character of Jesus, 
because we want to look like Jesus, right? And, and he's working to conform us to his image. And so as we see the character of Jesus, what are the things that stand out to us? As we see the competencies of Jesus, if we're disciples, if we're uh, kingdom disciples, right, what does it look like to be that? And, and then we think about that as a congregation, like what do we want all of us to be able to do, right? We see the, the character of Jesus, what we want to be like. We see the competencies of Jesus. What are some things that we want to uh, be able to do as we look like him? And if you were to open up a study Bible or you were to go to the introduction of the book of Mark, most likely you would find in that uh, commentary that they would say a key verse in this whole book would be in chapter 10, verse 45. And we see in that verse that the Son of Man did not come uh, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, that whole thought is countercultural. When we look at this wording, it says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The wording used there is the, the iakonos is the word in the Greek, and it's the word that we would get our word uh, for deacon. It's the verb form of the word that we get for the word uh, deacon. Uh, this morning, we had a deacon ordination in our early service and renamed Randy Brooks to be uh, a deacon in our church. And we see this word uh, literally means serve or uh, to minister or that type of picture. And here's this truth that we see in this passage, that the life of a Jesus follower is all about service, right? It's all about being a servant. It is the life of a servant. And if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to look like Jesus, we're going to have to be servants like the master. But the truth is that our flesh, if we all are honest, our flesh desires to be the master. Our flesh desires that we be the master, that everything be about us. Now, I don't know who coined this, but I saw it uh, a season back and just kept it. And it was just this thought of this prayer, Lord, help us to be masters of ourself that we may be servants of others. And so our flesh is going to desire that we be number one, that we be most important, that we be in that place, right? But the Spirit desires something else, right? And we see this war and this battle that, that's there. And today we're going to lean in, and Jesus is going to uh, teach his disciples a lesson. He's going to give us a lesson, and the title of this message is Not This Way Among You. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and we're going to read this passage here in a moment, and he's going to say the world does things a certain way. This is the culture of this world. But don't let it be this way among you. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. The scripture says this, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking on ahead of them and they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the 12 aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And they will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant that we may sit, one on your right and one on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I 
drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right hand or on my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way with you. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we are so thankful for the ransom, Lord, for the great sacrifice that has atoned for our sin, Lord, substitutionary in our place. Lord, what a cost that was paid for our freedom. And Lord, may we not be a people that walk around in bondage. Lord, help us to see your truth. God, what you've called us to be. Lord, this upside down kingdom. Lord, a kingdom that is different from this world. And Lord, help us to walk in obedience as we serve one another in serving you. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your love for us, Lord. And I pray, God, that if there's someone here that's never uh, experienced your grace and your mercy, Lord, that has never been born again into the family of God, Lord, that this morning would be their day of salvation, Lord, that they would be set free from the bondage of sin and death. And Lord, that they would be raised in the power of your spirit to new life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, right? Jesus has shared with them. Now, I want you to get this scene in your mind. Jesus has shared with them uh, that he's going to the cross. He's shared that he's going to be scourged. Uh, he, is, he has used uh, these kind of, of words, right? And he has said, hey, uh, this is what's going to happen. And James and John, they probably would have represented us pretty well if we were there in those moments, if we're honest. But James and John, uh, they... Uh, approach him. Now, here are these guys that are part of the inner circle, and they approach Jesus. They hear these words like, the Son of Man will be scourged. He'll be given over. He'll be killed. Uh, he'll be uh, condemned, right? All these things. And they're like, uh, I know you got a lot going on, but excuse me, excuse me, Jesus. <laughs> um, excuse me, I got a little question for you. He says, sure, what, could, you, could you grant us whatever it is that we desire now? Now, there's scripture that talks about them not really fully getting all this, being hidden from them in some of these, these spots. But here they are, right? Jesus has said, this is what's going to happen. And they're like, hey, we've we got, we got some questions. Like, um, could we ask you something? And Jesus says, hey, what do you want to ask of me? What is it that you would like? And they say, hey, could one of us be on your right? Could one of us be on your right and one of us be on the left? Could we be in this position of authority? Could we be in this position of power uh, when you're in your kingdom? Could we, could we be in that kind of role? And then Jesus gives them this lesson, and he says, you have missed it. This is not the way to greatness in the kingdom of God. This is not the way to greatness as a follower of Christ. Now, in verse 41, we can kind of see this 
transpiring a bit. And so James and John, they're probably upset because Jesus has says, hey, that's, that's not going to happen, right? That's not for me to grant. And, and he's going to say, hey, you, you've kind of missed it. This is not the way to greatness. And then the other disciples, the scripture says that they're indignant with James and John. So James and John, they're upset because this isn't happening to them because that's what they desire. And then the rest of the disciples, they're upset uh, because James and John asked ahead of them, right? And so they're, uh, and, and here's this, this reality, right? We, we may not want to be in front of everybody else, or we may want to pretend, or we want to have this attitude that like we're humble, we, you know, we have this kind of desire to do good. But we really, if the truth is known, there's a lot of times we don't want anybody in front of us either. Y'all see that in the, in the line, right? Let somebody get in front of you in, in line somewhere and just kind of watch the emotion uh, that, that can come up in you. I, I love, like, I get to drop my kids off at MVI, and MVI did something this year. They opened another uh, drive-up line. Some of your parents have, have been through that. So, so now there's like a, a, a two-lane thing that you can go in. And so please know I'm joking, but all the Christians, we stay in the right lane, right? Because we don't want to get in front of anybody else. Now I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you're left lane, you're probably in a hurry. I get it. I, I'm just kidding. But but here's where we're at. So I've been watching this in the morning. I just kind of get some humor out of it. And so uh, I, I don't want to get in front of anybody. So I pull over to the right lane. I'm kind of hanging out there and most everybody gets there. But then all of a sudden, sometimes people come in hot on the left lane. Like you can tell they're in a hurry. They're probably running late. I get it. But they're pulling in there. And, and, and there's a little part of us that kind of laugh at that. We're like, you know, hey, yeah, you got to get ahead, right? Gotta do and so last week, we're dropping off the kids and I've got my phone out because I can see like this is starting to get interesting. And there's a guy in front. I actually videoed this and thought I'd show it, but then I figured they'd be here today. It'd be really a bad idea. It'd be like somebody's uncle. And so, so like I'm vlogging this thing, like the kids in the car, I'm like, and here we go. We're pulling in and you know, we're, all the Christians are over here in the right lane. I'm just kidding. You know, having a good time and we're looking and then you start seeing these people zoom by. Well, this one guy's having none of it. He's dumb. Like he's tired of the people getting in front because you pull in the left lane. Once you get up there, then it's every other one. And so you could be waiting the whole time. And then somebody pulls all the way to the front and then they're just in, right? They're getting in front. Well, this guy's had enough of it. So somebody's coming in pretty hot. They're serious about getting in there. You know, they're going to the front. Well, this guy just pulls over and he blocks both lanes. I'm like, this is about to get good. I'm gonna keep my camera on, right? Because he's like, he's like, I'm having none of this, right? And here's the, the, the reality that we see in some of that. We may not want to get in front of somebody else because we're rule followers and we're all that. But the truth is, we don't want anybody getting in front of us. We don't want anybody in that perspective, right? And in the kingdom of God, greatness is defined different, right? The path to greatness in the kingdom of God is in humble service. There's a guy named Don Howell that writes some really good leadership stuff. And he says this, in the kingdom of God, one climbs only by first descending. One becomes a servant of others before one can be elevated by God to lead others. This indicates that there's favored positions of delegated authority, even in the kingdom of heaven, but they are sovereignly granted rather than pursued to those who first qualify as servants. So here's this passage, and Jesus wants his disciples, and he wants us to get this reality that he calls his followers to humble service. That's, the, that's kind of the core of some of the truth that we see here. And, and he calls us to humble service. Now, there's a difference in just service without humility. We can serve for the wrong motives. We can do all these kind of things. But he calls us not only to service, but to humility. And there's this requirement of both. Bill Inlow shared a joke with me uh, the other week. He said that there was this pastor, and he said that his congregation just thought so much of him, they wanted to award him. They said, man, this is the most humble guy I've ever met. So they gave him this humble pastor award. They gave him this pen. It said humble pastor on it. He wore it to church the next Sunday. 
Yeah, they took it away from him. Um, so some of y'all might get that later on. But it's a, now here are these guys, right? And, and in Matthew's gospel, we read even, they like sent their mom to Jesus even. They're like, hey, could, could you maybe do a little something for me? You know, how about my boys? Can they be in this position of authority? And here's this truth, right? Our, the desire to feed our flesh, the desire for greatness according to this world does not line up with the kingdom. And so Jesus pulls them in, verse 42, and he says this, calling them to himself, he said, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. So he says, here's how you see it in the world. There are people in their, their desiring position, they're desiring power, they're desiring to further their own kingdom, right? And, and the disciples are not understanding, and the reality is that they're not ready to be in this kind of role at this point. Their desire is that they would rule, right? They're desiring that they would take the, the, the power from the self-serving and oppressive Romans, and then they would in turn have that power, and it would have resulted in a self-serving them if the truth was in that moment, right? And, and here Jesus is, and he says, hey, I, wanna, I want you to see things from a different perspective, a kingdom perspective. And he says, it's not to be this way among you. So Jesus calls his followers, to this humble service. But the motive behind that is not for our own elevation. It's not so that we have power and so that we uh, have resulted in, in some kind of authority. But the desire is that it would be for the glory of God and the good of others. So he calls us to this humble service that is for a different agenda than this world. He says in verse 43, he said, it's not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And then in verse 44, he takes it another level. And he says, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. So Jesus says, hey, if you want to be great, then be a servant. Diakonos, right? He says, be a servant. And literally, he gives this picture that is of waiting tables, someone that is serving Others. And he says, if you want to be great, then, then serve others, then wait tables, then be a servant. And he says, if you want to be the great of the great, if you want to be first of the great, then be a doulos, right? Do this. You're to be a slave. And this picture of a doulos is someone uh, whose life, right, who has, who has given up their right of existence on their own and for their own and lives solely for someone else, right? Someone who lives solely for others, he says, listen, you, you, you want to be great? Then be a servant. Be one that waits tables. And he said, if you want to be the first of the great, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, if you want to be first in that, then give up your lives for the good of others. Then live your lives for the good of others. Now, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and we see some interesting language in that. At the end of chapter 1, you find that there's some external threats that could be there. We see the, this recognition of that. But then in chapter 2, Paul begins to call them to something, and there's this call that this church would live in humble unity, right? And that is the call for followers of Jesus Christ, for, for God's people, that we would live in humble unity together. And so, Paul writes to this church at Philippi, and he says, hey, there's these dangers that are on the outside, but the greatest danger that you might have would be if the unity is broken on the inside, right? And he calls them to humble unity. He says, listen, I don't want you to do anything from selfish or from uh, empty conceit, but he says, hey, with humility of mind, now this is the command of the church at Philippi. He says, listen, with humility of mind, consider others as more important 
than yourselves. That's not the way of our world. He says, don't merely look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. And he calls this church to live in humble unity. And then we think, how in the world do we do that? Right? We live in this culture where everything that you learn as young people, we get ahead, we do this. When it comes to work, like, like there's this drive to get to the top. There's this drive to do whatever it takes. There's this drive for all these different things, and there's some of that. that there's nothing wrong with this drive to, to better ourselves and to do these kind of things, but it's not in the expense of others. And so Jesus has called his followers to this humble service. He's called them to live for the good of others and for the glory of his name. And then he says, here's how you can do that. Here's how, here's how I want you to look. It's the same thing Paul does in Philippians 2. He says, I want you to look at my example. And so Jesus calls his followers, right, to humble service following his example. Look at verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus uses these words, the son of man, and we might see those words in Daniel chapter seven. We get this picture uh, we've been reading in the book of Isaiah and long about Thursday, we read Isaiah 52 and 53. And so there's this picture of the suffering servant, right? There's this picture of this, uh, this son of man who is the one who comes as first a suffering servant and he provides redemption through, the, through his death on the cross, right? Through his vicarious death on the cross, through this substitutionary death. He is raised from the dead, and we get this, this uh, beautiful picture, right, in Isaiah that he's going to come back in glory, right, that he's going to return in glory to judge and rule over the nations. And then in Daniel, we see this picture of this final judgment in Daniel 7, where the Ancient of Days takes his throne, and, and the courts of heaven are assembled, and the Son of Man uh, it comes in and approaches the throne, right? The Scripture says, one like the Son of Man approaches the throne, and to him was given great dominion, right? Glory and a kingdom that all people, uh, that all nations, and that all men everywhere might serve him, his dominion. It gives us this picture of this everlasting kingdom, this kingdom that will not End, that will not pass away, one that will not be destroyed. And so in these words, right, Jesus gives us this picture that this ideal man, the man that was for all men, he did not come to be waited on, but to wait tables. He did not come to be served, but to serve. And to live his life, a life of sacrifice. Paul did the same thing in Philippians 2. He says, we're to consider others more important than ourselves. He gives us this picture. And then in verse 5 of Philippians 2, he says, let this mind be in you. Let this attitude be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and he talks about his humiliation and his willingness to be obedient to the Father, even unto death, the death of a cross. And, and he says, hey, the church has got to be living in humble unity. And here's your example. You look to Christ and you follow his example. See, this is the life of a Jesus follower. This is the life that we are to live as followers of Jesus, a life that's lived for the glory of God and the good of others. 
This is the lens that we see the world. And there's something beautiful that happens, right? When we read Philippians, we see Paul speaking of the joy that he has even in prison, right? And he says that there's joy in all these things, that he rejoices in his suffering, that he rejoices in all these things because the gospel is going forth, because the gospel is being proclaimed. And then we see this call to live in humble unity. We see this, this joy that God has for us as we walk in obedience to him. And here's this reality. When we serve him, it's an upside-down kingdom. And the world says that you're going to find joy and you're going to find fulfillment and you're going to find it in places of power and in, in, in all these accolades and in all these things. And what we see just all around is that those people that have all those things that the world promises, the people that have achieved the most things, that have reached the greatness of the world's success are miserable without Christ. They are miserable as they need one more thing, right? It's always something else that will bring satisfaction. The world promises, hey, if you get to this level, if you get to that level, but Jesus has given us another model, this upside-down model in the kingdom of God that, get, that we experience joy through service. And so here we are this morning. Our, maybe you come in and you're under a tremendous amount of stress. Maybe you're walking through so much in life. And I want to tell you a great way uh, to deal with stress, a great way to deal with all the weight of all these things that are uh, in your life. And that way is to quit looking at yourself and to begin to live your life for the good of others and for the glory of God. I heard a story of a pastor that uh, was counseling a lady and she had come into his office and he was trying to give her some advice and she was on the point, just at the point of a nervous breakdown. And she said, what do I do? And he said, okay, I'll tell you some things you can do, but you got to promise me that you'll do them. And she said, okay, I'm willing to try anything. He said, okay, tomorrow. He said, I want you to go buy the things to make bread. And he said, tomorrow, I want you to spend all day making bread. And then he said on the next day, he said, I want you to go to the nursing home. And he said, I want you to take that bread. And he said, I want you just to give it away in there. And she said, well, I don't know anybody there. He said, it won't matter. In an hour, you'll know everybody. And then he said, the next day, I want you to go to the cancer center. And the next day, I want you to do this. And he gave her this list of things to do. And he said, come back in a week and let me know how things are going. And he said, you know what? A week went by. She didn't come back. Two weeks went by. She didn't come back. Three weeks came by. And she finally dropped in and she said, hey, I don't have time to talk very long. She said, but 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 because there's all these things are happening. She said, I've got to get to the nursing home. And she said, then uh, tomorrow our Sunday school class is going uh, to help at the cancer center. And these things are going on. I'm sorry I hadn't been by, but I, it's just been crazy. And she said, he said, well, how are you doing? And she said, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. He said, well, what about, you know, just all the things you were processing? She said, you know what? Uh, really? He said, everything is going well. She said, all those things that I were worried, was worried about, I've forgotten about them in serving other people. And here's this reality in Christ. Now, when we see this, this picture of ransom, we're going to see that it frees us from the power of sin and death and hell. But there's something else that's beautiful. As, as we walk in Christ, and as we live in Christ, as we live as humble servants, we are not only freed from those things, but we are freed from ourselves to live for something so much greater. See, we're afraid to live for something that is much greater than the things that this world promises. It's, we're afraid to live for the glory of God. And when we do, we find joy and fulfillment. And here we are as the body of Christ. And the scripture would tell us that, that the people of God, right, that as they are assembled, that God gives us gifts, right? Did you know that? That we receive grace gifts, right, from, the, from God, right? As followers of Jesus Christ, when we uh, are born again into the kingdom of God, he, he 
gifts us in a way that we can serve the body of Christ, that we can come uh, together as the body of Christ in service to one another, and that the kingdom is grown, right? We, we see this picture in the early church. If, if you look at the scriptures, it says, and as many as were added to them uh, daily, or as many of them uh, had received Christ were added to them daily, right? We saw them being added to the church. Now, it didn't say they were just in attendance. It said that they were added to the church, that they belonged, they became part of the church, and they had all things in common, and, and they lived together for the glory of God. And God gifts us with this gift that we can use. And these gifts that God gives us are not given for simply for our enjoyment. They are given to us for employment in the body of Christ. And God desires that he would use every one of us. And here's the truth, that if you're not plugged in and using the gifts God's given you for the glory of his name and for the good of other people, then the body of Christ will suffer. The body of Christ will not function in the way that God intends it. See, here's this reality. Last week, uh, I had uh, dinner at a restaurant and had uh, a waitress that uh, served us there, that worships with us. And I want you to know, man, it it was just incredible, right? Just an amazing experience. And and, because here's the truth about a good waitress, a good waiter, a good server. You don't have to ask them for the stuff, right? They just notice like they're about out of water. And so they bring water. They just notice that you're out of things and they take care of it. They notice that there's a need and they meet it. Those are the, those are the people that you want to serve you when you're in a restaurant. People that are attentive, people that are watching, people that are looking, people that are ready to meet those needs. And here we are as followers of Jesus Christ in the body of Christ, and God desires that we would serve in such a way that we don't have to be asked, right? That that we would serve one another, that we would see needs, that we would meet needs for the cause of Christ, for the glory of God, and that our life would be poured out in service to one another. Because here's the truth, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are servants of the servant. And he continues to serve us by empowering us with the Spirit of God to do the work that he calls us to. See, the primary, the, the primary call of a Christian is service, to serve one another for the cause of Christ. And so I want to challenge you to do some things. I want to challenge every believer to serve one another in love, right? To serve the body of Christ, to serve in obscurity, to serve in a place that has no glamour, that that causes you to maybe get dirty, that causes your hands to get dirty, that causes you to be tired, that that is a place of obscurity. I read about one church that said, hey, if you're going to be on the stage, then you also are going to be a person that serves in a place of obscurity. Because if you're only willing to be on the stage and you're not willing to be uh, in the menial tasks of things, then you're not ready uh, to be in a place of visibility, in a place of those kind of things. I thought, man, that's an interesting perspective. And sometimes when we think about serving, there's this level of things that says, you know what, I'll do that because it's an elevated thing in in our minds, right? But the reality is that we shouldn't seek the stage in in our heart and our motive when our Savior came in the midst of a stable, right? Where he walked in that way, right? And we should be willing and desire to do those things, right? We, we, we should look for ways to serve in obscurity simply for the glory of Christ where nobody knows or where just a few people know. And we meet needs within the body, whatever those things are. Find a way to serve in your job, right? We've got so many jobs represented in here and there's so many different things. And sometimes work can get just wearisome, right? We can get burdened down with all the things that are there. We can get burdened down with school. We can get burdened down with all those things. But find a way to serve in your job. What does your job, uh, what need does it meet? What uh, fulfillment, what is it that, that it does, right? What benefit does it provide? And so maybe you're working uh, at McDonald's and you say, you know what? Uh, I'm serving food 
uh, to stressed out people who uh, need a break today. And so I'm going to bless them in the way that I do that, right? And if you're at Burger King, it's like, you know, the world wants it their way and we're going to do our best to give it to them. But we're going to serve people in a certain way. Maybe you're a teacher and you say, you know what? I'm going to equip uh, people to be able to read, the, read and write or whatever those kind of things are. But encouraging us that we would say, you know what? I'm going to serve others through my job, whatever that is, right? That our perspective might change. And for all of us every day, what if we got up in the morning and instead of being stressed out with the day, a lot of us open the news, right? Or we open something up. Let, let me go ahead and give you the report for the next few weeks, okay? Uh, and that way you don't even have to worry about it, right? There's gonna be some more COVID cases. There's probably gonna be some question as to whether anything's working that helps them or not or doesn't help them. There's probably gonna be some uh, crazy stuff that's happening somewhere near. There's gonna be all these kind of things, right? We're gonna get all these reports, all these things. But the reality is that God's placed you where you are to make a difference. And so what if you get up every day and you say, you know what, God, you've blessed me so that I can be a blessing. And so I pray that today you will allow someone to be in my path that I might serve for the glory of your name. God, that you might put someone in my path. I've heard some of our students after they came back from Snowbird say, Lord, I pray that somewhere today you'll allow me to be a shining light for you. And if you'll pray those kind of prayers and you'll keep your eyes open and you'll be a good servant that's looking for opportunities, that's looking for somebody's water that's out, that's looking for whatever those things are, God will open those doors. And instead of our perspective being all on us and the stress and the things that are going on in our world, as we look outside of that, we'll find joy and we'll find fulfillment. Pray every day, God, I want to be, I'm going to make a difference somewhere every day. What if a church said, you know what, we're going to do something small every single day. Every single day, every person in this room said, I'm going to look for something small and I'm going to make a difference every single day. And then what if we said, you know what, I'm going to do something big every single year. Whatever that is, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm going to invest something that takes tons of time, something that, that, that is bigger than just this, this small thing. It might be that you're going on a mission trip. It might be that you're uh, serving in some way. But, but when you think about those things, something small every day, find a place to plug into the body of Christ. Use the gifts God has given you for the good of others and for the glory of his name. Look at your job. How can I serve? What's the purpose of my job? How can I spend that and work, right? We're, we're just do whatever we do, right? For the glory of God. That's the way that we're supposed to live. So how can I serve people in my job? How can I make a difference every day in something small? I'm going to look for something small and I'm going to serve someone every single day day, I'm going to be a shining light for Jesus. I'm praying that God will allow me to be a blessing. He has blessed us to be a blessing. I'm going to do something big every year. I'm going to engage in that way. See, Jesus said we serve him when we serve others. He said, when you do this for the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. And it's countercultural. It's different from everything that's around in our culture. For people to encounter people that believe that their rights and that their needs are not the most important thing in the world. But it's by this, the love that we have one for another, it's by this, the way that we serve, the way that we do, that the world will see that we are his disciples. It is that love for one another that is seen in that. And it'll change the world around you. Jesus can use you in your job, in your class, in your school, in all of these places. If we'll take our eyes off of our flesh and we'll recognize that he has called us in humility to outdo one another, right? Romans 12 says that we're to outdo one another in showing honor. That we're to live in humble unity. It changes everything.
And why do we do it? Because we look to the example of Christ. We are servants of the servant. The son of man who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right, that word ransom, it's this price of release. That would be uh, the, the definition, an accurate definition of that. And he's telling us that, listen, we are in bondage and he has, came to be our, he has come to be our substitute, right? To make a substitutionary payment. And when we see this word in the Greek translated in the New Testament, uh, most of the time it's translated as redeemed. It's the same word. And it comes from a, a Greek word that, that gives this picture of loosening, right? This picture, and, and it's always uh, meant throughout history to unchain somebody. That's the picture that we are seeing. But, but more specifically, right, a, a ransom was to, to purchase someone, was to, uh, uh, to, to buy someone, right? To, to buy them out of captivity. That's the picture of Ransom. And Jesus has paid the price for my release from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of death, from the bondage of hell. He did it through the cross of Christ. He did it in my place. And through faith in Christ, we experience freedom in Christ and we become servants of the servant. We are freed from the bondage of sin and death. We're freed even from ourselves to live a life that matters. A life with purpose. A life lived for the glory of his name. And in that, the way he has wired it, the way he has made us, it is in that that we experience joy. It is in that that we experience freedom. That's what Jesus has called us to, to live different than this world. He says, you look around and all around you, it looks like people trying to vie for position and, and, and fulfill all these needs there. He said to lord over people. That's what people who are in charge, those of you that God has allowed to be in charge and own businesses and that serve as managers and serve, as, and serve people in that, I want you to think about what would it look like for you to live different in those positions. To not lord over people, but to serve them. Right? Business is business. I understand there's things that we have to do, but what would it happen if we lived in a kingdom mindset? The sacred and the secular has no divide for a Jesus follower. See, we live everywhere for the glory of God. We serve people for the glory of God. We live our lives for the good of others. We look not only for our own interests, but for the interests of others. And how do we do it? We do it in the power of the Spirit. Because, see, the lust of the flesh says power, power, power. Galatians 5 says that if we walk in the Spirit, that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that we could live empowered by the Spirit, servants of the servant. The path to greatness in the kingdom of God is through service. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I'm gonna, we're going to worship our great God together here in just a moment. And I want to invite you this morning, just as you process some of this, that we might call on him, that we might, that we might ask him for his help as we leave this place. 
I thought about putting a sign over the door that said, servants, enter here. Servants, exit here, because we are a people, Lord, that you have called to be servants of you. Lord, I pray that you would help us in the power of your spirit to live different. God, that the places that we go today, Lord, the the places that we eat, Lord, that the waitresses and the waiters, Lord, that somehow they would feel served by us, Lord, that we would live our lives in such a way. And maybe if we want to see how, how far along we really are, how do we respond when treat, people treat us like servants? Lord, help us to respond with the grace and goodness of Christ, Lord, that we might reflect your image to this world, Lord, that we might serve people, Lord, that the greatest tool of evangelism might be a towel and a wash basin. Lord, that we might be willing to serve people all around us so that we could have a platform to share the good news of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for many students, Lord, that I saw this week wearing the three-circle shirts. Lord, I pray, God, that you continue to give them open doors that they might share the good news of who you are. God, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to burden the hearts of adults, Lord, and of, uh, of all of your people, God, that, that we might live on mission for the glory of your name for the good of others, and for a kingdom that is out of this world. Father, if there's any that don't know you this morning, Lord, we pray, uh, God, that today would be a day that they would be freed from the bondage of sin, Lord, from the bondage of death, from the bondage of hell, God. Lord, that they would be redeemed and, and ransomed, born again into your family today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning as we worship?